I'm in a rush. I need to catch the train, so I'm just dodging other pedestrians and the newspaper giver-outers, ambulances, etc. And uh, weaving in and out of the rose stall because it's Valentine's Day. Um, there's my card, but um, platform to custom. Now, one of the things that you probably don't notice when you're in a rush is the way that, if you're like me and able-bodied, you can do quite amazing things. You can scooch between people, you can run upstairs really, really quickly without having to think too much about it. Now I'm going down to Goldsmiths University in South East London to meet with Elizabeth Hill, who is a researcher in, among many other things, a condition known as Developmental Coordination Disorder, DCD. It's often discovered in children when they uh, don't reach the same milestones as other children, like being able to catch a ball, being able to grip a pencil, that sort of thing. The reasons for DCD or dyspraxia are not really known by scientists. They're still trying to work it all out. And yet it is said to affect maybe up to 1 in 12 children. Some people estimate it's a bit lower at about 1 in 50. Department of Psychology says the sign. So it'll be interesting to wonder whether this is a physiological problem or a psychological one. Maybe it's a bit of both. So, Elizabeth, thanks very much for agreeing to see me today in your very nice, clean, pristine, white, uh, modern office here at Goldsmiths. First of all, can you tell me a little bit about your research, all of the different things that you look at here? So my research is focused on what we call neurodevelopmental disorders, um, and that would include broadly, um, although not specifically in our research, autism spectrum disorder, dyslexia, specific language impairment, ADHD, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, um, and something um, that, that we focus on a lot, developmental coordination disorder, which is a, a difficulty with uh, mo movement and motor development, and is often referred to as dyspraxia. So those are examples of neurodevelopmental disorders. And what we focus on in my research group is um, autism spectrum disorder, and Developmental Coordination Disorder, or DCD. 
Um, the historic, there are historical reasons for that in terms of my background. I started out looking at movement difficulties in children and we see movement difficulties in children diagnosed with DCD. That's what that condition is about. Um, those children have difficulties with motor control, so controlling their body, their arms, their legs, moving objects, eating, drinking, and so on. It's quite subtle in terms of uh, if you're sitting at a table or walking down the street, you wouldn't know um, that that child had DCD, but it has very significant impacts on those children, on their academic development, their activities of daily living, dressing, physical activity, and so on. Um, and we know that it has impacts in adulthood as well. Movement difficulties are seen in lots of these other neurodevelopmental disorders but aren't part of their diagnosis. So that means that not every child with dyslexia, language impairment, ADHD, autism and a whole host of other disorders will have movement difficulties like those in DCD but large numbers of those children do and so that's how we've ended up researching some of these other disorders, mostly from the point of view of motor difficulties. Also from the point of view of overlaps between motor difficulty and social development, and between motor difficulty and what you might refer to as mood disorders or mental health, so higher levels of anxiety, depression, poor quality of life satisfaction. So there's a kind of common thread um, around that, and we're very interested in the adult um, sort of presentation of this, which is something that nobody or well, very few people look at, but these children become adults, mm. and uh, that's really important to understand. I couldn't help noticing the big pink wall outside with the silver letters Department of Psychology. Do all of these things fit within psychology? That's a good question. So, uh, psychology is very broad, and in this department, we have a lot of uh, neuroscience. Um, so brain stimulation, brain measurements, um, which is a bit more physiological. Um, and in fact, we have been running um, and are developing a, a new study with adults with DCD using EEG, where you record the electrical activity on the surface of the brain whilst somebody is doing a task. Um, and we've been looking at how um, adults with DCD, how their electrical activity varies from their non-DCD peers, so adults who are the same age, the same gender, have the same education levels, but have DCD versus don't, um, how when they're responding to a task where they have to move a hand to a position either straight ahead or sort of across the other side of the table space, what happens to their electrical activity? Because we know from studies of adults without any, any difficulties, that we see particular um, brain activity patterns or electrical activity patterns in particular areas of the surface of the, of, of the brain. And is it different in those with DCD? It's, it's a good question. It's interesting. We're, we're really looking at the data now because it looks as if there's a very specific difficulty so that when if you're sitting at the table with your hat, two hands in front of you and you just move one hand sort of straight ahead then it looks as if most of the electrical activity is very similar in both groups of adults. But as soon as you ask the adults to move across what we call the body midline, so if you divide your body in half down the trunk, you're, you're crossing your hand 
over into the other side of space, we start to see some quite significant differences in specific aspects of the electrical activity. Now, it's the, f it's, it's the first time this has ever been investigated. So obviously, we need to be really kind of sure about our findings and it would need to be replicated elsewhere but that seems to be a really exciting finding because it suggests that that we could start to pinpoint something very specific that might be in the brain leading to particular aspects of difficulty and we can link the brain activity to a behavioral response actually making a movement and and that is often is is not often something that's done and it's never been done with adults before. Does every child who has DCD go on to become an adult with DCD? The longitudinal studies that exist where a group of children with diagnoses are followed through have essentially gone into sort of adolescence and early 20s. Now those studies are quite old now but they suggest that the majority of children with DCD are still adolescents and adults with DCD. There are small percentages of children who seem to grow out of the condition. Maybe they just needed a bit of extra support. Maybe they didn't really have DCD in the first place. So we know that people from um, low socioeconomic backgrounds who don't always have the same sort of physical input and physical environment, the opportunity to play in the park, play football, so do all these sorts of activities often have poor motor skills compared to their higher socioeconomic status peers but for most of those children if you put them in a more physically um, sort of supported environment they they grow out of those difficulties so it may be that there was a proportion of those children in those studies so most children with DCD become adults with DCD there's really very little work with adults but the work that we started initially was talking to adults about what their difficulties were when they were children and what, if anything, their difficulties were now they were adults. Are they different? They do seem to be different. So when you ask adults to, to talk to you about it, they will typically say, when I was a child, my difficulties were with movement, with dressing, with PE. I was bullied in the playground because I didn't kick the football as well as other children. You can, you can kind of imagine the sorts of scenarios. As an adult those same people are, are tending to say, I do still have problems with my movement, but I don't wear lace-up shoes, I get slip-ons, or I have Velcro on my trainers. So Daniel Radcliffe, Harry Potter, um, is sort of on the record, he has DCD, and he's on the record as saying he was always sorry that Velcro didn't take off more. Um, I didn't know Daniel Radcliffe had DCD. Yes, well, it's it, that's quite widely reported on the web. I just I just don't follow him around <laughs> no, enough. No, I was um, at some point Googling celebrities with DCD dyspraxia and he was the only one that came up. I'm sure there are plenty of others. I'm sure he's quite a good role model for the children who do have it. It would be great if more celebrities came out and said they had it because 2 to 5% of the population would have a diagnosis. So to realise that actually you can do all sorts of things and be successful and your peers can sort of aspire to be like you, which is, is not typical, I think. Let's go on to talk about one of your most recent studies then involving Nintendo Wii. I had been sort of musing on the benefits of the Wii, not being a particularly technological user myself, um, for children with DCD, adults with DCD, and thinking about the fact you can, you can do it in, a, in quite a social group. Um, and these children often excluded from social groups be, because of physical activity. Can you just 
sorry to interrupt, explain what's special about the Wii. Uh, how is it different from another computer console? Okay, so the Wii, the, the great thing about the Wii is that um, the child or adult, the sort of participant in the process, is very much physically engaged. So we're not talking about using a joystick or a, a button um, sort of button presses, we're actually talking about holding on to something and playing tennis, so moving your arms around, playing the drums as if, you know, moving your arms and your body around as if you really were playing the drums. And the console extent. tracks your movements and then you appear on screen right. as, a, as a character in the computer game Absolutely. making those movements. Yes, so you can be Roger Federer at Wimbledon. Well, I don't know whether I could be. <laughs> or Wayne Rooney or whoever um, you you want to be um, and your movements attract and you see those and the crowd cheers and so on. Um, the Wii Fit is very much about balance, so activities that involve um, balancing. Again, you're seeing yourself on the screen. Um, you can do this on your own, um, but you can do it as part of a group and maybe sort of support each other, egg each other on, have a little competition, and you're, you're actually seeing yourself on the screen live um, and is that the one where you have the board to stand on and it can as you say track the balance just by how good you're standing on that board absolutely exactly that's that's what it is so it's a wobble board if you like a balance board and it, it yes it tracks quite subtle um wobbles or or lack of um balance um on the board mm. i think i w had just heard about it and and thought it sounded quite an interesting way of engaging children in a physical activity when children are perhaps as a result of a few years of sort of negativity not very keen to go out and do physical activity um, and as a way of actually doing something quite cheap that people have in their homes anyway and that children are quite motivated by. I um, was talking to Dido Green who's now at Oxford Bricks. Um, she's a, a very uh, experienced occupational therapist um, and mentioned this to her and we sort of constructed a, a detailed study whilst we were at a conference <laughs> um, in America. Over the back of an envelope or something? Basically yes, <laughs> over a coffee break or something. Um, and then I think quite serendipitously a paediatrician Ian Mayle who's based in Sussex contacted me and my mother lives in Sussex so I said well, I'll come and talk to you um, an easy trip and somehow this project evolved so Ian had um, has a link with a medical school the medical students have to do a research project and he had a couple of schools who were available for research to be undertaken he's interested in DCD we we sort of modified this proposal to collect some preliminary data to see if it worked had to really consider how to tweak well, not really tweak, quite substantially change the ideal protocol. Um, the medical students then took that into the schools, collected the data, and, and there we were. Why did you have to tweak the protocol then? So the protocol for evaluate, evaluating interventions in a rigorous way is, is, controversial is a slightly strong word, but different research groups and people from different research traditions will have slightly different views about how you ought to control for things like um, not doing anything, what the interventions are, what you're comparing to what, and so on. Right, because it would seem to me that if you were testing how good the we is at helping children with 
DCD, that you would also test another group of children doing nothing and another group of children doing the next best thing that they're already doing, something like that. That would seem the best way of doing it for me. Absolutely. So what you want to do is you, you, you need to be able to say, well, if there was a change in these children after they spent a few weeks doing We Fit in school, um, that change isn't just to do with those children or it's not just to do with the fact that they would have changed over those weeks anyway. They got older, they had more PE lessons or more football lessons or whatever it was. So you're comparing to ideally another intervention and probably to something that we would describe as a wait list. Um, but on top of that, you need to be able to say if you have three different groups of children, one does the We Fit over that same month, one does a standard intervention over the same month and one group does nothing over that same month. Any differences, any change still might be just to do with that group of children. So ideally what you want to do is have all the children in all the versions at different times. Um, and that makes for a long study because you will probably want to have quite a significant number of children for say a three month period on the Wii Fit then a break, then the same children for that same period of time on the existing intervention, then a break, and then on the no intervention. And how many children do you think you would need, ideally? You said a significant number. Probably you'd be thinking sort of 40, 50, 60 children. Now, we recruited 20 in this project. That, that's what we were able to recruit in, in the time available for the medical students in the school. And so that is um, something that you have to think about when you're interpreting your results, but also if you get a particular type of result and it's rigorous, then it lends quite a lot of positivity to the thought that you will, would get a stronger result um, or that you've got a reliable result that would be seen in a larger group. So what did you end up with? 20 kids doing what? We had 20 children, so split into two groups. Um, one was 10 and one actually ended up being nine because one child um, dropped out. Um, wasn't in school enough. Um, one of the groups spent 10 minutes three times a week for a month during a lunch break uh, playing on the Wii Fit. They did that in small groups so they'd each individually have their time on the Wii Fit but they had a group kind of with them. Um, and then the other group was doing a program, an intervention program which was uh, developed in this particular area of Sussex and is used which is called Jump Ahead. And that runs for 45 minutes once a week. Um, and the activities involved in that are very much sitting at a table and doing things like threading beads onto a string. So practicing fine motor skills, things you do with your fingers and your thumb, mostly at the table, cutting things with scissors, um, drawing round things and so on. So, so that's a lot more uh, specific than as you said, sort of practising tennis using the Wii and throwing your arms about and trying to balance on a board. Absolutely. It's quite a different type of intervention. And again, that's sort of something that you need to consider. Um, we wanted to... We were, we were expecting that we might show that the Wii intervention would be more fun, more motivating for groups of children, particularly considering that most of these children are boys who are probably not so keen on sitting at the table threading beads as they might be if they were girls, um, and would motivate them to get more involved and perhaps to try things at home. So what did you find? We found that when we tested children's motor skill um, on a whole range of what we would call gross and fine motor tasks, so balance-related, hopping, skipping, 
jumping, standing on one leg without falling over, running and fine motor tasks, so things like threading beads, cutting with scissors, drawing around a trail. Um, those children who were involved in the WeFit intervention or the children between, before and after the WeFit intervention showed a significant change in their motor skill. So they, their measured motor skill improved to an extent that statistically we would say was significant, so made an impact, if you like, in, in the, the month that they were involved in the WeFit intervention. Can you just explain on an individual child basis what that would mean? I, I appreciate that you would want the statistical significance across the group, but for maybe one child, what would that mean? So for one child, that would mean that perhaps they went from being very, very slow to put pegs into a board, maybe knocking pegs onto the floor in the process, which wouldn't be something you'd see in, in a pier. Um, drawing around a trail where they couldn't stay between the lines and were always kind of zigzagging out, not having good pencil control, standing on one leg and falling over quite a lot, um, not being able to hop sort of like in a hopscotch type setup, um, as you would expect for their age, to shifting after that, that one month we intervention, to being able to do those tasks, not perfectly, not necessarily as you would expect for their age, but much, much better. So less maybe the pegs um, aren't falling on the floor, they might be going into the board quicker, balancing on one leg, maybe you're quite wobbly, but you're not falling over now. Um, being able to run a bit faster, being able to throw um, a ball into a box more, a bit more accurately. So not really subtle differences, noticeable differences that were also measurable or identifiable to the child. So the children also reported that they felt their movement skill had improved be from before to after. So their self-esteem in relation to that got better um, and I think that would have then an impact on, on other things. So this is still just a, a small study, a small number of children, but it does show a statistically significant improvement. Yes. Did Nintendo fund the study? No, Nintendo did not fund the study. Um, the medical school funded the study in as much as they pay up to a certain amount for the research costs related to their students going to do to work so to some extent it was sort of funded through goodwill of everybody thinking it was important wanting to get the information and and, and doing it for, for that reason have you got a time frame in mind for the, the next stage of this research it would be great to get something going sort of over the next year or so um i suspect that might be optimistic but the, the results look striking. The studies had a lot of interest. It's, it was really popular with the children. Lots of children in the school were pleading to take part. Um, so there's motivation. Um, we, can, we can use this kind of work to really help support parents who don't get very much support. The NHS can't do much for them. The teachers don't know much about it. So it, it can be a real sort of support experience for those families and it could build into something that could be quite significant for adults which is is, is one of my really key um, sort of targets if you like over over the next well probably the rest of my working life. Elizabeth Hill thanks very much. Thank you very much. You can read a transcript of this podcast and follow links to further information at podacademy.org or you can tweet us 
at Pod Academy.